the Devo Podcast. Devo is a worship gathering for college students and young adults that meets every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at First Baptist Woodway. We hope you enjoy the message. You know, something that just struck me while I was walking up, uh, there's something that you hear people pray a lot, particularly at the end of worship. And we never like... We never just say First Woodway, we never say Roommate 200, we never say that, but we always say in this place. You ever notice that, like whenever you go to church, and like, God, we just thank you for what you're doing in this place. God, we thank you for the worship we just had in this place. And it, we say that it's kind of coming uh, all the way from the Old Testament and the history of God. And we've picked up this language and we don't even realize that what we're saying is something sacred has happened here and we thank you for that. Um, that this, this spot, something sacred happened here because we encountered God. Um, I just think that's, that's a really, yeah, I think God just kind of revealed that to me while I was walking up, that um, these markers are milestones in your life. Um, even, even small Tuesday nights on a full belly, trying your best to worship but not burp at the same time, you know, like <laughs> even in those moments, God is showing up and he's doing something cool. Um, and I, I just have a strong sense that God's going to do something really cool tonight. I don't know what that means. I just have a strong sense of that. So, all right. Um, hey, most of you, when you woke up, you had a plan. Um, like you, when you look at your day tomorrow, you might have a plan. Like everyone kind of loosely has a plan. You might not be like, you might be like really organized. Or you might be like me. We're just like, I'm just going to wake up and we're going to go for it, you know? But all of us kind of have a loose plan. Maybe your plan is something like this. You're like, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to read my scripture. I'm going to pray. I'm going to eat that new cereal I got. And then I'm going to drive to work, school, whatever it is. I'm going to try my best to make it through that. And then I'm going to get home. And then I'm going to change. I'm going to go work out. That one usually doesn't happen. But I'm going to go work out. And then I'm going to come back. I'm going to eat dinner. And then I'm going to watch Netflix, I'm going to play Xbox, I'm going to read a book, and then I'm going to go to sleep, and I'm going to do it again, all right? Some of you even have, like, plans for the future. Some of you all have your futures better planned out than most people I know. You're like, okay, so I'm going to go to school, I'm going to study this, I'm going to get this degree, I'm going to graduate this year and this month, and then once I get that degree, I'm going to get this job, and after I get that job, I'm going to marry that kind of person, and after I marry that kind of person, I'm going to get this better job, and then I'm going to have kids, and then it doesn't turn out like that, right? Um, and I, it was funny, I was asking Kara, because we're going to talk about whenever God does something unexpected in your life that was really good. And I was like, uh, Kara, what's something unexpected that God has done in our life that's really good? And she's like, um, having a son when we had no money. I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> that... We were not ready for that, and it was terrifying at the time, not part of the plan. I was planning on having kids starting, like, this year, and I have two of them. <laughs> so, well, because when you have one, you're like, let's just get the other one, all right? You know, so, <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, like, we all have these plans, and God can, like, he can just show up, and he can derail it, and he say, hey, actually, I have something else I want you to do. It's not that he doesn't care about what you're doing or the, or the way you're going about it, but he might just have something really good for you that he wants you to walk into. That's something I pray most mornings. I say, God, I know that you prepare good things for me to walk into because that's what it says 
in Ephesians 2.10, there's good things that if you're a follower of Jesus, he wants you to walk into. He has stuff planned for you. There's freedom in your life. I believe that, um, that there's freedom in your life, but he also has some things set aside for you to do. Um, a lot of times what we call this are divine appointments. Now, that's kind of Christianese language. Um, and basically what a divine appointment is, is this. It's a meeting that God set up and you're supposed to attend. So it's like an appointment that God scheduled and he's just asking you to show up. You don't really know the details. He's just like, hey, I scheduled this appointment. I need you to go. Um, it's kind of like uh, my wife several weeks back was like, hey, I need you to take our, our oldest son, Thad, to get a haircut. And so she sent me the address, sent me the time. I pick up Thad. I take him to get a haircut. And I don't know. Like, I don't know what we're doing there. I just know that we're scheduled. So I come in. I'm like, hey, uh, we have an appointment. This is Thaddeus. And... They're like, okay, which, uh, which seat do you want them to get in? And there's like all these like cars, there's like their cars and they're like chairs. That I, I guess like they get their haircuts in cars at toddler places, I don't know. And so I was like, which one do you like, son? And he's like, picks out the blue one. So we put him in the blue car and uh, he sits down and they're like, what TV show would he like to watch? And I was like, didn't know that was a thing either. <laughs> when I, I just used to get like, hey, sit still, we're going to cut your hair, you know? But they're like, what TV show would he like to watch? So like, he's like, Dad, what do you want to watch? And he's like, Corey Carson. I'm like, all right, put Corey Carson on. So they like pull up the iPad, and we're watching this thing. It sounds like a really fancy place. It was not. And we're watching, watching Corey Carson, and then they're like, what haircut does he want? Like, what haircut do you want to give him? And I was like, oh. And I remember, oh, I got a text. And so I like pull out my phone, and without words, just show them like a picture my wife sent me, like <laughs> that. And they're like, they're like, do you want this? I'm like, is that, is that in here? <laughs> like, I, I don't know, you know. I'm like, just, just whatever this is. And my point is, the reason I'm saying that is because that was, that was an appointment that was set up by my wife. I had none of the details. She'd actually worked out all the details for me. I just had to show up. Now, on the surface, it almost looked like, hey, anyone could have done that. But I'm the dad, so I had to do that. But and it looks like anyone could have done it because... Everything had been orchestrated by my wife. I just had to be there. And that's kind of what like a divine appointment is. Like when God sets up something in your life that he wants you to do, you might be like, I don't, I don't have all the details yet. And he's like, just show up and I'll work it out as you get there. Just get there and I'll, I'll walk you through it. And so we've been going through the book of Acts, right? And it's been, it's been awesome. Tonight, I just want to briefly look at a passage in Acts uh, chapter 8. So this is, this is a scene of a divine appointment. And it's actually a divine appointment between two people. It's one person that's a believer, one person that's not a believer. Uh, but listen to this. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, just pause right there. If you all remember, we ended last week and we talked about how there was this great persecution that happened in the city of Jerusalem, that Stephen had been killed. And then when that happened, they all scattered. And then one believer named Philip started doing incredible things in Samaria. So this is Philip. So he's probably in Samaria. And an angel of the Lord says to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. All right, so there's the divine appointment. Take your son to get a haircut. That's the moment. Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. He was on his way to that road. On the way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. 
The man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in the chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. And then the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip said, do you understand what you are reading? So here's the recap. Break it down in simple terms. Philip's in Samaria. God's like, hey, go, go south to the road to this desert road. It's kind of like this deserted road between Jerusalem and Gaza. He's like, go there. And Philip's like, okay. So he's on his way there, and he comes across an Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, now, this Ethiopian eunuch, we don't know tons about him, but we know that he was an important official for Ethiopia because he was in charge of the treasury. Uh, we also know he's a eunuch, so that means that he was castrated. Uh, but what's really fascinating is that he was on his way back from Jerusalem, and he'd been worshiping in Jerusalem. The reason that's interesting is, one, he's from Ethiopia, so he's not a Jew. Um, but two, in Deuteronomy 23, it said that you were not allowed to worship if you are a eunuch. And so, but he's clearly someone that's been impacted by Judaism, by God. And so he's gone to Jerusalem. I don't know if he's tried to worship or if he participated in the festivals. We don't know, but he clearly was seeking God. He went there, and now he's coming back, and Philip comes across him, and God's like, hey, go run up to his chariot. And so he runs up to the chariot, and then he hears him reading Isaiah the prophet, which was normal, by the way. It's not weird that he was reading out loud. When he had ancient scrolls, they were really hard to read even then, and so you literally have to, like, sound it out loud. And so he's probably, like, sounding out loud, like, reading through Isaiah. And then also, a lot of times they would read out loud just because memorizing was a big thing in their culture. So he runs up alongside him and he says, do you know what you're reading? And he begins to engage this guy. Now, the funny thing is that a lot of us, we think like, man, that's so cool. Like if I could have a conversation like that, if God could like set me up with an appointment like that, man, that'd be so cool. I would do it. But I don't know if you would. I don't know if I would. Um, the thing is, a lot of times what we think, like in the past when I've taught on this message, I'm always like, I'm always like, are you hearing God? Are you sensitive to his voice? But a lot of times I think you're actually, you're hearing God, you're just not being obedient. Um, so let me, let me just walk through how weird this and awkward this actually would have been. So imagine you're in Samaria and God's using you for miracles like Philip was. And he tells Philip, hey, go to that desert road. You're like, okay. You're like, sure. I'm sure that's the epicenter of culture. I'm going to go to that desert road. That makes a lot of strategic sense. So you run to the desert road, and on the way, you come across an Ethiopian eunuch, and he's reading Isaiah, and God's like, hey, go run up to that chariot. That's like, that's like me saying, like, like, God telling you if, like, you're on campus, he's like, hey, go, go to the center of your campus, or hey, go to that obscure, if you're working, go to that obscure street in Waco, and then you get there, and then you see someone riding on a bike, and, and God's like, go run alongside him. <laughs> like, that's like, that's what happened. We don't think about that, but he's like, hey, uh, you know what you're reading? Like, that's what he's doing. It's weird. It was awkward then, too. That wasn't normal, you know? But he runs alongside him. He's like, hey, uh, do you know what you're reading? Um, and I just think that, I think that sometimes we have these promptings from God, and I'm going to walk through what that looks like, but we have these promptings from God, but we're just not obedient. Um, one time, I think I've shared this here before. I'm not sure, but... Um, one time I was sitting at Common Grounds when I was in college, and I was sitting out front, and so I was sitting at one of those white tables that's, like, really uncomfortable. Y'all know, everyone's like, yeah, yeah, I know what that is. So, like, there, there are ones, like, you can only fit, like, one knee under the table. So I was sitting, 
I was sitting at those tables, and I was reading this book called The Return of the Prodigal Son. And it's a story about this painting that really impacted this writer, Henry Nouwen. And it's the story of, of how people run away from God, but how God is calling them back. And how whenever God calls us back, we try to grow into who God is. We try to be like God. Um, so it's this great story. And I was sitting there, and I was journaling about it. And then I noticed... Uh, it kind of felt creepy, but I kind of noticed that someone was just standing like right behind my right soldier, sh- uh, shoulder and was just like staring at me. And I'm like journaling, like covering my journal, you know. And, and uh, finally, just breaking the ice, I turn around to see who it is. And it's this middle-aged dude. Uh, not someone you normally see at Common Grounds, but just middle-aged dude. And I just say, hey, how's it going? <laughs> you know, like, I don't, I, I, he's with you, I'm like, why are you staring at me? I don't know. But I was like, hey, how's it going? And it's like I snapped him out of something. He was staring directly at, at the front of my book. And on the front of the book was this painting. And it's this painting of the father accepting the son back. And he's just staring at the book. And he says, sorry, uh, what's that book about? I said, oh, it's, it's kind of a story about the parable of the prodigal son. And it's basically that people uh, that run away from God, that God's like a loving father. And he's always willing to accept them back. And he goes, oh. Is it, is it a good book? And I said, it's a great book. And he said, um, yeah, you know, I used to, I used to be really, you know, I used to believe that stuff. And uh, I don't know what it is. I guess I, I guess I just fell away. And so I'm like, what do you, I mean, I'm a college student, um, but I'm just like, do you, do you want to talk about it? And he goes, uh, you know, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for bothering you. You have a good night. And then he walks inside, and he gets in line, and I can see him through the window of the line at Common Grounds. And I like, go back to reading, and I'm journaling, and I keep looking up at him, and I just get this tense feeling in my stomach that I'm supposed to keep talking to him, but I don't know what I'm supposed to talk to him about. And I felt that tense feeling the entire time, and then he left. That's the end of it. And my point is, I think sometimes God can set us up for things, and it's just a matter of obedience. You know what was going through my head in that moment? I was going, oh, you know what? Like, I asked him. I asked him if he wanted to talk, and he said no. So I, I probably shouldn't talk to him anymore. Like, I should just leave him alone. And like, I mean, it's clear that I'm sitting right here. I, I have a chair open. If he wants to come talk to me, he can talk to me. Right? Like, we have these excuses that we run through our head. And it would have been much easier for Philip. Like, Philip would be like, hey, he's in a chariot. Clearly, he's going somewhere. I don't need to talk to him. We're like, he's reading Isaiah. He's fine. He's reading the Old Testament. He's good to go. Um, that's not what happens. He said, the Spirit prompts something in him, and he, he goes and he's obedient. And so what I would say to you is, it, I've never had it happen to me where God like audibly spoke to me like, Blake, go to this street. Now run alongside that bike. Like that's never happened to me. Um, but I have had moments where I see something and there's just something in me that knows I need to talk with them. And that's what a prompting of the Holy Spirit is. Sometimes, like, some of us are just waiting for, like, something divine to happen for us to go talk to somebody. But you've read scripture and you know, okay, this is an opportunity for me to talk to them. That's your divine appointment. Go talk to them. You go, just walk with them and say, hey, um, what's, what's up? What's going on? And they'll be like, they'll, they'll give you the next cue. It'll be just like getting Thad's haircut. They'll be like, what haircut do you want? You'll be like, uh, you know, like, and you, you won't know, but you'll just keep going along with it, and God will do something. That's the thing. 
God has scheduled the appointment and he's provided the details. You just have to be faithful and obedient to show up. That's all it takes. Just be faithful and obedient to show up. And I'm, I'm like seriously convic- uh, convinced that like, that so many of you that are followers of Jesus, your days are just littered with divine appointments. It's not like it happens once a year. Like, I think it happens every day. And I think that as we grow more sensitive to the Spirit, we'll start to see that happen more and more. Like, whenever you talk to older believers, it seems like they're encountering people all the time. They're encountering the same amount of people as you. They're just a little more sensitive to what God's doing. Um, But you know, the way that you grow a little more sensitive is by being obedient to the words that you do hear from Him. So if you hear something from Him, just go do it. And the next time you'll know, oh yeah, that's God, and you'll go do it again. And it'll just, it just builds upon itself. But let's look at the response of, uh, not of Philip, of the Ethiopian eunuch. This is what he says. So Philip runs alongside the chariot really awkwardly, and he says, do you understand what you are reading? How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him in the chariot. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. This is from Isaiah 53. He was reading this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth, and in his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants, for his life was taken from the earth? The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who's the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And as they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Awesome passage. So here's what happens. He says, Hey, do you know what you're reading? I hear you're reading Scripture. Do you know what you're reading? And he's like, I, Can you? He basically just invites him, Can you come up here and explain it to me? And he's reading Isaiah 53, and it's this prophecy about this, this suffering servant, this someone that's just suffering, and they're silently suffering. And he's like, who is this about? He says, is this about the prophet or is it about somebody else? And Philip gets up, and he's like, hey, good news. I've actually met the guy this is about. And so he sits down, and he starts to tell him about Jesus. He says, you know, this, this one that suffered silently, that was Jesus. He went to the cross And he went to the cross, and then he took all the sin of the world upon himself, all the shame of the world upon himself, and he died, and he rose again so you can have new life. And Ethiopian eunuch hears it, and he responds. Um, It's awesome. He says, why why shouldn't I get baptized? Let's get baptized right now. One thing that that struck me, though, is that it said that um, the way that he told him the good news of Jesus is that he began with that very passage. So he started with Isaiah 53, and we don't know, like, we don't know everything that he said, but part of me really hopes, just the preacher in me, that he made it all the way to Isaiah 56. So, let me read 56 to you guys. So, this is right after they said that this prophet's going to come, he's going to save people, and then Isaiah 56, verse 3 says this, let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, The Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, 
To them I will give them within my temple and its walls, a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating and all who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. You know, there might have been all this confusion with this Ethiopian eunuch when he went to worship. And the entire time in the back of his head, he's going, I know this is the true God, but I'm not allowed to worship. I know this is the true God, and on the way back, for some reason, divine appointment, for some reason, he's reading through Isaiah 53, and he's reading about the suffering servant that would bear everything upon himself and be humiliated. And he's thinking, who is this? And then he shows up, shares the gospel, and guess what? Because of Jesus, this guy that was excluded, was far off, was not allowed in the temple, is now welcomed in the temple, and will be given a name better than any son and daughter because Jesus Christ has done it all. It's powerful. It's so powerful. And I I don't know, but I just, I feel like some people in here, um, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to be manipulative or anything like that, but just, to be faithful to the scripture we just read, I think some people, you've been brought here to this night for one particular reason. Like God, God is orchestrating something in your life uh, for you to respond to be obedient. You might be a believer, you might not be a believer, but I think God is calling you to be obedient. Um, I think some of you, you kind of need the message that maybe this eunuch heard. It's like, hey, I don't know who you are, I don't know what you've done. I don't know what wrong things in your past, what evil, what sin. Um, I don't know whatever label you carry, whatever shame you have. All I know is this, that Jesus Christ has bore it all. Like he took all of that on himself. That's what it means. Like every single person in this room has sin. Like, every single person in this room has problems. Every single person in this room is not perfect, and we are not fit to be in the presence of God. But because of God, because of what he did on the cross, we can now enter. You can now enter. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, may I humbly suggest that maybe tonight you're supposed supposed to do that. You're supposed to take that step of faith. You're supposed to say, hey, I believe. Like, I think, I think, when I look back at my life, and I look back even this past week, I've seen God lining up things to bring me to this point and to hear this word and to hear that I'm accepted by him because of the cross. And I don't understand any of this yet, but I want to respond. And if that's you, um, could you find me? Um, could you just find me tonight and tell me? Not that I have like secret magic words for you or anything. Mainly I want to high five you and say yes. Uh, but the other part of me, I just... I want to help you on that journey. Um, there, was, there was a time for me where I found someone in a room, and I said, help me. Help me figure this out because I want to follow Jesus. And I would just encourage you to do that tonight. If you're following Jesus for the first time, you want to put your trust in him, uh, just come find me, and I would love to pray and talk with you about it. Um, others of you that are believers, you just need to be obedient. 
The Spirit's in you. You don't need to pray for a new filling of the Spirit. The Spirit's in you. You just got to be obedient to what he's saying. Uh, we're going to close now with worship. And um, actually, I want to ask that we um, sing that last song that we just sang. So if you guys could go ahead and make your way up. And um, I was just sitting there when I was singing that song, and I was thinking, man, that's so good. Um, that forever he is glorified, you know, he is the lamb that was slain, just like this passage was talking about. And uh, what I ask you to do is um, you can find me in this, in this message if you're responding to this and you say, hey, I want to know Jesus, I want to follow him. You can come find me um, or you can do it afterwards. Either one's okay. But let's, uh, let's stand and let's worship this God that has paid it all for us. Let me pray. Thanks for listening to the Devo Podcast. If you're a young adult or college student in the Waco area looking for Christian community, come by Devo on Tuesdays at 8 p.m. We'd love to connect you with one of our communities.